Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Um, so I, I, part of the difficulty, part of the difficulty of being a Jesus follower for very long um, is that you know, after several years, you've heard it. You've heard it all. You've heard all the stories. You've heard all the ideas. Um, but one of the reasons why we keep coming back, we keep coming back to the Bible, we keep coming back to worship services, is that um, information isn't transformation, right? Just because you know it doesn't mean that you are becoming something different. Uh, so last year, I shared with you some thoughts about the Sabbath, and many of us tried to practice them. Um, I think Sabbath's really important to, to following Jesus. I think it's important to our church where we're at right now. Um, Jesus said this. Uh, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. He's saying, I want, the, I want people who follow me to live in the fullest way possible. Uh, and I, I feel like he's desperate for us to have that kind of life. And I think most of us, if you're a Jesus follower, you believe that's true. You believe that Jesus came to give us this full life. But most of us do not experience that. If we were honest, we would say, yeah, I, I think that's true, but I'm not sure I'm experiencing it. I think Sabbath, part of the reason that Sabbath exists is to help us uh, build a life that reflects what we believe. We believe that Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. Sabbath is a tool to help us live a life like that. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, my friend uh, Lauren shared this quote with you. I'll share it, share it again. It says, it's been said that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. I'll read that again. It's been said that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. It's easy to say something like, my family's really important to me. But does your schedule reflect that? Sabbath is a, is a way to get our, our values to align with our lives. Um, so often I value things in my mind, but my life doesn't reflect what, what's in my head. So Sabbath can help bring those things together. So um, pastor and author John Mark Comer uh, talks about how God made human beings with infinite desire. Uh, so uh, there's not a moment in our lives where we are not desiring something. Um, and you, you think about that, that's, it's, it's true. From, from small things like, you, you know, you desire to have it warmer in the room or to big things like you, you desire like important relationships in your life. Um, we are always desiring something. And, and, um, and if we're not careful, if we're not careful, um, the truths that we know in our head about Christ can get pushed aside for, for things that we desire, you know, on the periphery of our lives. Um, so logically, we know that won't work. We know that that, that can't work. That a life like that can't work. Um, we live with infinite unsatisfied desires and nothing in this world will fully and finally satisfy them. C.S. Lewis says, um, says this. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world 
can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were not, we were made for another world. Um, if you're a Christian, you know this. If you're a Jesus follower, you know this. We were made, we were made for another world. We were just reading, like, um, it, it, and our church family has been going through Philippians together. And in Philippians, there's this verse that speaks to that. And we were just reading last week. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly, we were on the edge of our seat, awaiting a savior from there. Sabbath is a tool to create a framework that helps our lives reflect what we know in our hearts. We are not citizens of this place. We are citizens of a different place, a better place. But our lives don't always match that. Sabbath is a tool to to help align those things, to to make those things true. So all throughout the Bible, when you read the Bible, if you read Bible stories, um, we see the strength and the power of desire. It's all there. And if you, if you go back and just read the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, you read it with the lens of what are, what are they desiring when they make these decisions? It, it, it changes how you see the story. So when the nation of Israel are slaves, um, in Egypt, there's all this desire. There's all this desire to escape from slavery. Um, and it, the desire is allowed to build for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, the desire was for God to come rescue them uh, and take them to the promised land, this place called the promised land. And the, the mental pictures they created of the promised land was this place where uh, just all, they, and again, some of this just in their heads of what they were imagining, all the things that they ever wanted were coming true. They were getting all the, all the things that were ever dreamed of was going to happen in this place called the promised land. All their desires would be addressed. So when God shows up, in Egypt, to take them to the promised land. He says, hey guys, guess what? I'm here to take you to the promised land. Then after, when they started that process, they were very, very grateful and they never complained and they never grumbled. Right? Listen to this. The whole Israelite community set out from a place called Elam and came to the desert of sin. Uh, when I was getting ready for this message, I should just say, when I read this, I thought, oh, I want, this is called the desert of sin because they did a lot of sinning there. But apparently that's not, that's not true. Um, it's it's uh, a Hebrew word that's, that has nothing to do with our English word sin. So there's a fun fact for you. Uh, came to the desert of sin, which is between, between Elam and Sinai. And if you guys remember, Sinai is where they get the Ten Commandments. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So two months out of slavery. Two months. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Um, so there's all these desires the people on, and the people that God's seeing. Um, they're desiring food and they're desiring comfort and um, they're desiring the life that they had before they left Egypt, which is really interesting. Um, and if they can't have that, they're desiring the relief of death. Infinite desire, 
that cannot, cannot be satisfied. Cannot be satisfied. If God had put a video screen of, if he said, okay, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys, you're complaining and you're grumbling. Let's, let's, let's just, let's, let's do a real, we're going to do a quick playback of just three months ago. And he would have showed this video of them guys. Please, God, please come save us from slavery. They, would, they have all these inconsistent, unsatisfied desires in them. And so the question that I was, when I was reading this and I was thinking about this was this. Um, when God looks into my life, does he see a lot of behavior driven by unsatisfied desires? Like, does he, does he see in me desire that this, this infinite desire that's not satisfied and I make decisions based on that? And again, if I think about it, if I'm honest, I'd have to say, Yes. Yes. When we walk around with infinite unsatisfied desires, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It, it, it leads to bad decision making. Um, it's like this. Um, it's like when you go to the grocery store, when you go grocery shopping, when you're hungry, you, 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 you make decisions that you wouldn't normally make if you were full. Uh, so once, once, when, um, once when I was going to get Mexican food uh, with my friends Jonah and Amy, um, we, we set up, uh, we set up a, a dinner. And it was, that, it was the evening of this day we were going out. And so that day, I intentionally didn't eat very much because I was so excited to go eat Mexican food with him. So when I get there, I'm... So hungry, I'm eating all the chips in the world, and I'm eat, I, I eat my whole meal. And so, the, after when I'm leaving, I'm like, "Oh, I made a, I made a bad decision." And I'm in pain because I wouldn't stop eating. Infinite, unsatisfied desire can lead to you and me making terrible decisions. That we'll look back on and say, why did I, why did I do that? For example, unmet desire leads to complaining and grumbling. Um, I, it, I, I'm kind of like, you know, so for, for me, when I read, when I read in the Bible, you know, complaining and grumbling, you shouldn't do that. I'm kind of like, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of the lower tier sins, like, you know, gossip and lying, right? It's just, mm. But I want you, uh, again, consider this. And if you're like me, you, you complain when you have desires that are unmet. Um, who, when you complain, who are you really complaining against? Who are you complaining against when you complain? Who are you complaining about? Listen to this. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites... After they complain, they're complaining. They say, we, we want food and we want to, we're going to go back to Egypt and give us what we want. We've got all this infinite unmet desire. Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it is the Lord, it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread.
bread do you want in the morning? Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. You aren't grumbling against us, but against the Lord. They say, who are we? Who are we? So I mean, here's, here's my question for me, um, and, and maybe you can, you can ask it of you. Does it apply to me when I'm complaining? Like when I'm complaining to my wife about not getting what I want, does it, does, does what, the, does what he's being said, what Moses says to them, is that applying to me? Like, am I not really complaining against her? Is it like, you know, who am I? You're not complaining to her. You're complaining against the Lord. Does that apply to me? When, <clears throat> whatever. When traffic isn't the way that you want it to be. When, when you complain that your life isn't what you expected it to be. Who are you really complaining against? Or when the church isn't what you hoped she'd be. Who are you complaining against? Or when your spouse doesn't turn out to live up to your expectations. Who are you complaining against? In our last series, if you were reading Philippians with us, you saw um, the command for us to do every, every, everything without complaining or grumbling in Philippians 2. Um, we know this verse. If you're a Jesus follower for more than 15 minutes, we know this verse. We know it, but how difficult is it to not complain when your desires aren't being met? Moses says, you're going to know that it's God that you're complaining against when he gives you meat in the morning, I mean, meat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Meat in the evening, all the bread you want uh, in the morning. I think it's interesting that he, uh, he says, he doesn't say all the meat you want, but he says all the bread you want. I wonder why he says that. God says, I'm going to meet your infinite, unsatisfied desires with all the bread you want. I think that, I, I think that God's using bread to point to something better than bread, bigger than bread. I, I think that he's saying, I'm going to meet your infinite, unsatisfied desires with bread. Hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, when Jesus is on earth, people come to him seeking, seeking Jesus, and they want Jesus to feed him, feed them. They say, you know, Jesus, would you, you know, would you feed us? He had just, he had previously, he had done a miracle where he, he, he feeds all these people. They show up later and they say, do that again, please. We would like you to feed us again. So all these people tell Jesus to feed us like Moses did. Feed us like Moses fed our ancestors all those hundreds of years ago in the desert. They say this, they say, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he, Moses, gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who, who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread to satisfy our infinite desire. Then Jesus said, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God made us with an infinite desire in us. Desire, I mean, again, this, this isn't like rocket science. I mean, you guys know this. The desires that are never fully and finally satisfied. Like as soon as you get the thing, it's not enough. As soon as you get, you, you get, you get your, your spouse to do what you think you want your spouse to do, it's not enough. It's never enough. As soon as, as, soon as you, you find the job that you think is, it's not enough. God made us with infinite, infinite desire. It is a clue, it is a clue to what we are made for. It is like breadcrumbs that are supposed to lead us to a destination. Um, Human desire is infinite because we were made to live with an infinite God forever in his world. And nothing less than that is going to do. Our infinite desire is, is made to point us to him. In that same conversation that Jesus has with the people, um, he, he tells them, hey, you guys, don't, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. When I read that, I, I know that. I know that. I know I shouldn't work for things that are spoiling or, or things that when I get it, it's not going to be enough. I know that I shouldn't make that my priority. And I know that I shouldn't do that. But, but my life doesn't always match that. My, I, I know it with my mind, but I don't. So let's go back to the Israelites. Again, Jesus, let me say this. Jesus is the bread of life. And I wonder if God's on the edge of his seat saying, I wish that Daryl could just, if he could just wrap his mind around this truth, it would change his life. The Israelites in the desert are complaining that they don't have food and God knows that they have, you know, infinite desires running wild in them, leading them to make bad decisions. Um, So what does he do? What does he do? He gives them meat in the morning and all, in the evening, I keep doing that, meat in the evening and all the bread they want in the morning, which points to Jesus. Again, which is something brilliant about God. If you, you take the Bible and you read it all the way through, you read these stories in the Old, in the Old Testament. This story, hundreds of years before, when God gives them all the bread they can eat, it is pointing to Jesus. When Jesus shows up, he says, I'm the bread of life. He didn't have to give them all. Why is it all the bread they can eat? It's because he's pointing. But that's not even the main point of what what he's doing in that moment. He says, listen to this. He says this. That evening, quail, this is the meat, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given, for, given you to eat. 
This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. So I want you to think about this for just a second. Um, if this is just about bread or just feeding them, if, the, if God just intends to give them bread or just to feed them, why doesn't God just let them keep the leftovers? Some of you guys love leftovers, right? You're like, God, how come I can't keep the leftovers? Because it's not just about bread. He wants them on the edges of their seats. He wants them depending on him. One day at a time. Today, I'm going to give you what you, all you want, give you what you need. You got to come back to me tomorrow. Going on. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it to the morning. However, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers for each person. An omer is just like a measurement. Two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. God uses the Sabbath to teach them that man does not live by bread alone. God's using the Sabbath to teach people that he made them with unlimited desires. And the only thing that can solve it is him. If you are a Jesus follower, when I say that out loud, you do not disagree with that. You're like, yes, I've heard that. I know that. If you are like me, your life does not match that. It does not. Sabbath is an invitation to match what you know in your head with your life. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Why doesn't he just say bread? Give us, God, give us, give us our bread. He's, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to one day at a time. It is the same invitation that God's giving to the Israelites in the Old Testament. He's saying, I'm giving you your bread for today. And when Jesus says to pray, listen, pray for your daily bread, what you need now. And depend on me and trust me because I am limitless and I'm the only thing that can meet your unlimited desire if you're like me 
When we have more than that, when we have more than that, we get the impression that we don't need God. When we have more than that, we get the impression we don't need God. So the the food spoils every day except one. On the day before the Sabbath, you you gather food for two days. But on this day, when you hold your leftovers, they won't spoil. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, work for food that won't spoil. Work for food that, don't, that won't spoil. Here's the Sabbath day to be a reminder of that. So um, I don't know if you guys believe me or not, but I'm telling you uh, that God is trying to do this thing in our church family in regards to the Sabbath. Um, it is why we talked about it last year, and I'm bringing it up again this year. I think it's important for us. I think it's important. Um, he know, God knows that we understand that he's the bread that comes down from heaven. It's only him that can satisfy us. We know it, and God wants us to build a framework so that our lives say that. Our lives communicate that too. Sabbath is a step to, towards doing that. Sabbath is a, is a step towards making that true. Sabbath is admitting with your life what you believe in your heart. Sabbath is admitting with your life what you believe in your heart. So you can stop. Everything's not depending on you. Things will go on even if you do stop. You can pause the day and you can acknowledge, yeah, I acknowledge it. There's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy me except you, Lord. I want to invite you to be a part of one of our small groups where we're learning to practice the Sabbath. It is a learning process. It is challenging. It is hard. It is countercultural. It is way different than we live our lives. Um, one of the things that I talked about in our, in our Bible study that we, this, this past week is that when you learn something new, there's this, they have something that's called a J curve. So when you learn something new, often there's a high where you're like, ooh, this is, this is really cool. It's a new idea. As you start to practice this new idea, Things get worse before it gets better. The idea of Sabbath, we're all like, oh, yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Now, when you start to practice it, that's another thing. It's a challenge. I want to invite you to practice it. I think it's important for our church. And again, I, I can't overstate that. You know, we've said to one another that we really want to, you know, we really want to be able to spend time together. We really want to build important relationships that matter. And we really want to have a life um, that, to, that, that we, that's full, you know, and that, that we, we won't spend our lives trying to fulfill our unlimited desires, but we, we pause, you know, that begins with learning to practice the Sabbath together and learning to have enough margin in our lives for God to guide us, for us to have enough breath so that you know, when someone needs something from us, we, we want to have any relationship you have margin for that. So listen to this. Listen to this. Six days you are to gather, you are to gather this bread, but on the seventh day, there won't be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses this. He said, <laughs> How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Let me ask you this. Does God get frustrated? 
Like when I'm frustrated, I assume that I'm sinning. Like I'm, I'm frustrated that something's not going my way. I assume that I'm, I, that that's wrong or whatever. And so sometimes I apply that to God. I'm like, God doesn't get frustrated. Um, I think God gets frustrated. And I think this is a, you guys, come on. How long are you going to ignore what I tell you to do? I'm trying to tell you. You're killing me. I hear frustration in verse 28. And I hear God's frustration with me when I refuse to Sabbath. And I was like, I'm, and I, I, I go out chasing my desire and I won't find what I'm looking for. And God knows it. it has to be super frustrating for him to watch me chase things that he know are not going to satisfy me when he's waiting. He's like, man, that is frustrating. That is frustrating. Listen to this. So Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book from the Bible. It says this. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. Better is sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This is also, this is vanity and a grasping for the wind. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. It's saying it's better to be content with what is right in front of you than to spend your life chasing something that you are not going to catch. You're chasing the wind. So in our church family, one of the things we do every week, every week, every week, is we pause and we create space for communion. I think communion and Sabbath, part of the point of them is similar that it's a, it's a pause time to remind us that our unlimited desires are, cannot be met on this planet. Uh, in both Sabbath and communion, we pause, we reflect, um, we, we pay attention to God. We, we ask ourselves, where is God saying anything to me? Uh, we, we pay attention to our lives and we ask, are our lives out of sync with the truth that we know about Christ? So if you believe, if you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that a person predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off and you've never given your life to him, I want to encourage you to do that. Because if you believe that in your mind and you don't give your life to him, those things don't match up. Those things aren't consistent. During this time of communion, Make the decision to allow this person who has power over life and death to be the Lord of your life and give your life to him. Be baptized into this family. If you put your faith in Christ and you are a Jesus follower, I want you to ask, I want to ask you to determine if you are experiencing life to the fullest. If you're a Jesus follower, you've heard that verse and you know it. Is what you are experiencing life to the fullest, like Jesus said? He said, I came to give you life to the fullest. Is that what you're experiencing? And if you are not, it could be because what you believe in your heart is not reflected by what is happening in your life. Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, beginning now, whoever eats my flesh drinks my blood, has eternal life. He's saying, whoever makes me the object of their greatest desires has life. 
Make me the object of your greatest desires. As we take communion together, I want us, I want us to be inspired to take, to say this with our lives. Um, I've said it enough with my mouth. I want to say it with my life. So let's pray together. Let's take communion together. Um, dear Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us your daily bread. Give us your daily bread. Satisfy our unlimited desire with you. And during this, during this time of communion, help us to, to commit to finding a way to make space so that the, the things we believe about you are true with our lives. The Israelites knew you were powerful. They had seen you do powerful things, but their lives were not communicating that. We don't want to be like them. We want to be like Jesus Christ. So I, I pray that you give us, give us, give us your daily bread. Give us your daily bread this day. Satisfy our unlimited desires. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.